Well, good morning again. Um, if again, if you are visiting with us, it is a pleasure to have you. Um, it's a pleasure to to meet you, and so we are just thrilled, really, that you are here with us. Um, and so, please, 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 uh, if you can stay for for lunch with us today, um, that would be wonderful. Um, with our shepherding group that um, is meeting in the fellowship hall after church, uh, that would be one after our classes. Um, so we w- we would love for you to stay for that or to snag somebody and tell them, hey, you're taking me to lunch today. Um, come get to know me. I'm pretty special. Um, that would be fine too. Uh, so please, 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 thank you so much. Understand how much we enjoy having you um, and how special you are to us. Um, if you are new, if you weren't here last week, um, if you're a new visitor, um, we are going through a sermon series right now called Refocus um, 2030 vision. And over the last seven months, there's been a cross-section of our church family that have been working on developing a new vision for the Shiloh Road Church of Christ. And the question has been, what do we want our church to look like in the year 2030? Now, 2030 to me doesn't seem that far away. And then I think, okay, that's 14 years into the future. And I think about 14 years into the past and what that was like. And, I rem- and then, then I start to understand how different our world could be in 14 years. And so it's important for us as a church congregation, as we, as we consider what we want our church to look like and what we want our church to be like in 14 years, that we make plans to be that church. Amen? These things are not just going to happen by accident. They're not going to happen just by circumstance. They're not going to just occur spontaneously. We have to be dutiful. We have to do our job as God's chosen people to be the church that he calls us to be. And our 2030 vision is exactly that. It's us as a church seeking God's will, finding his will for us, and then trying to do that will. So I'm going to summarize. For some of you who were here last week, this is your opportunity to nap. Um, If you weren't here last week, you got your opportunity to nap last week, and now you have to pay attention. So we're going to go over a brief summary of our entire 2030 vision. And then for the end of our lesson, we're going to focus in on the first part of our vision, which is to exalt Christ. But before I do that, well... No, I'll save it for later. I'll save it for later. It's a good one. I'll save it for later. So, um, if you will, our vision for um, the Shiloh Road Church of Christ in 2030 is threefold. It's to exalt Christ, to encourage one another, and to engage our neighbor. We as a church want to be about these three things— and the reason that we so dutifully have, have, have gone over for seven months finding what it is God's will is for our church is because we understand that doing these three things allows us to grow God's kingdom. 
When we put these three things together, exalting Christ, encouraging one another, and engaging our neighbor, when we put these three things together and allow allow them to build upon each other, we begin to change the world for God. A lot of times it's probably going to start with your next door neighbor or on your street, maybe in your neighborhood. Maybe in our community, in the city of Tyler. Maybe in our region, in our state, in our country, and then across the world. If we are people who exalt Christ, encourage one another, and engage our neighbor, we allow God to work in and through us in spectacular ways. So the first part, exalting Christ, we're going to talk a little bit about what that is about. So if you will, let's take a look at, I believe, our scripture, um, Hebrews um, chapter 12, verses 1 and following. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. As we focus in on who Christ is, and this is what we'll do more later on um, in our lesson, as we focus in on who Christ is as Lord in a Savior, as the one who took on the cross, scorning its shame, and then sitting down at the right hand of God. When we focus in on Him, the foundational part of who we are as a church, that begins a process that allows us to do amazing things for God. So, how do we plan on exalting Christ? We plan on exalting Christ, number one, through gathering weekly here at our church to worship and glorify God together. Not only do we expect to do that on a weekly, um, a weekly basis, we expect for that to be a part of our entire lives, to be living 24-7 in worship of God, constantly exalting Christ as Lord and as Savior. We're also going to do this within our small groups. Small groups will be revamped and redone, and we will be using that time in small groups as a time for us to exalt Christ, relationship, focusing in on having a relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But not only that, focusing in on our relationships collectively, with Christ, as a community focusing in on, on our relationship as a community with Jesus Christ. And lastly, we want to tell stories. And we want to give testimonies about what God is doing within our group, within our church family. And that's how we plan on exalting Christ within this church family for the next 14 years. Our next subject is encouraging one another. The verse that, we, um, that has led us to encouraging one another is 
refresh my memory because I don't have it here. There it is, Acts 2, 42, excuse me. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And oh, frozen here. And every day uh, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. As a church, we plan to encourage each other. There are main mode for encouraging one another, um, if you will, <clears throat> the slide here, will be focusing in on becoming a closer church family. Really striving to become more family-like as a church. We'll do this a lot through our small groups. Um, again, you're going to see small groups run through um, the entire course of who we will be as a church. Small groups will be a place where we can gather together as a church family in smaller groups. Small groups. <laughs> See? It's right in the name, so it's easy. Um, but it'll be a place where not only do we worship God, but we also spend time together, again, breaking bread and being with one another. But not only that, holding each other accountable to who we are as God's people. Discipleship in maturation, calling one another through our small groups to bring people along in the process of being a Christ follower. Not only that, to develop, but to also develop ourselves as a disciple and as a Christ follower, growing deeper in knowledge and understanding of who God is, who Christ is, and who we are to be as his people. And then in student ministry, making five-to-one connections, meaning five adults mentoring, looking over, and sharing life with each student in our youth ministry. It's through those relationships that we believe changes can be made in the youth that we have today going forward to who they will be as young adults, middle-aged adults, older adults, we believe that through those five-to-one relationships, and I promise I won't get on a soapbox here as a student minister, <laughs> through those five-to-one relationships, we are able to mentor and disciple our students into lifelong faith. Rather than just being focused on the here and now, rather than just being focused on the, uh, the, the graduation date and having Christians that, that have graduated under our care as Christian people. We want to focus on who they will be as Christians when they're 35, 45, 65, 85. Encouraging one another will be a foundational part of who we are as Shiloh Road members. The last focus is um, engaging our neighbors. We leave it for last because, to me, 
it's the last part of the process. After we've exalted Christ and we've come to know him better, after we've encouraged each other and been encouraged with each other and we've grown closer to God from that encouragement, we now have an obligation. Maybe obligation is not the right word. Maybe we have an opportunity to engage the world around us, literally our neighbors sometimes, to engage them and tell them of the love that we now know and feel for our Lord and our Savior and for our Father. Isaiah 61 verse 1 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and, to re- and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance to our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes and the oil of of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting for the Lord, for the display of His splendor. We have an opportunity, once we have known Christ, to engage our neighbor. What will that look like here at Shiloh Road moving forward for the next 14 years? Well, we plan on continuing in working in foreign missions. We will continue to spread the good news of God to every land as well as we are able. We won't stop at our front door, but we will continue to go into every place to spread the good news of God. Our small groups will be places not only of exalting Christ and encouraging one another, but places of mission as well. We do not expect for our small groups to merely be a place where we come together, see one another, high-five each other, and walk away unchanged and without changing the world around us. Rather, we expect for our small groups to be a place where people can rally together and then go out and be a part of engaging our neighbor together. We want to be a sending church and we want to partner with other organizations around us in Tyler. Places like PATH who do a wonderful and a marvelous job of helping and engaging the neighbors within our community, those that we would otherwise not be able to work with at all because of a lack of, of funds for lack. I, I mean, we, we, just, we don't have the money to do the things that PATH does. But when PATH partners not only with our church, but with other churches, we're able to do amazing things for our neighbors in this community. And we are committed to wearing out the carpet in our building. A year ago when I interviewed here at um, Shiloh Road uh, for the student ministry position, one of the things that I loved was the tile in the foyer. And, um, and they mentioned that that used to be carpet out there. I don't know how many of you guys remember that. Anybody remember when that was carpet? Yeah, you guys remember that? And it came time for the carpet to be changed again. 
And the idea was, well, hold on. We keep having to change this carpet because it's getting worn out because people are here. Not just on Sunday, not just on Wednesday night. People are here every day of the week. And so we're going to do, ti- we're going to do something that is a little more hardy than the carpet that we've been using. And my thought was, yes. That is a church that I want to be a part of. Not a church that, that, that relegates their building to Sundays and Wednesdays. Not a church that is a museum, but rather a church that is a church and uses the building that God has graciously blessed them with all throughout the week for all parties and all groups, not just the people that are here on Sunday and Wednesday nights. We will continue to be a church whose building is well used. And that's how we plan on engaging our neighbor. Now, I've used the word plan. I've used the word process. And I've done it very purposefully. Now, Gary said from up here uh, last week, he said, we have to remember that the 2030 vision is not the how, but it is the what. Exactly. This is the what. This is the why. This is, this is you know, this is what we will have our church look like in 14 years. This is the what and not the how. So if you are in charge of the Recycled Plastic Cup Decoration Committee for people between the ages of 55 and 65, don't come to me or to anyone else in leadership and be like, well, how are we going to do this? Because I will tell you, as the leader of the Recycled Plastic Cup Decoration Committee for people between the ages of 55 and 65, I don't know what the how is going to be for you and for your ministry. This is the what, not the how. Very good. Man, you guys are good at this participation thing. You're a little dead, and I don't like that, but we'll get there. It's okay to laugh and participate in appropriate ways. So this is the what? Come on. This is the not the exactly, but I want to be very clear that our vision is the process for our mission. Our vision is the process for our mission. What is our mission, you ask? Our mission, very simply stated, is to build the kingdom of God. To increase the kingdom of God one person at a time as best as we are able. To build God's kingdom on earth. That's our mission. It's not something crazy. It's not, it's not just, you know, over the top. It's not difficult to understand. Our mission is to increase, to build the kingdom of God. And we believe that our vision is the process for achieving that mission. Achieving is not a good word. How can we ever achieve that? We hope to achieve our mission. But we believe that our vision is the process for our mission. So, our vision, to exalt Christ, to encourage one another, 
and to engage our neighbor. Um, Jack Nicholas and Stevie Wonder ran into each other one time in a restaurant. And this is completely fictional. Um, <clears throat> and Jack Nicholas was, com- was stunned to find out that Stevie Wonder actually was a golfer. And so they began talking about it, you know, just casually. It was, you know, Stevie, hey, how's the golf game? Oh, you know, it's okay. And, you know, how's the music biz? You know, it's all right. It's going pretty good. You know, Jack, well, I haven't been playing too great lately. You know, Stevie says to Jack, you know, well, when I'm not playing real well, I like to take a little time off, think about my game. I go back, and it seems to all come back to me pretty well. Well, Jack Nicholas, of course, is stunned that the blind Stevie Wonder is a golfer. And so he continued, he starts asking him, well, how do you play golf? I mean, how do you do that? You're blind. How do you know where to hit the ball? And well, you know, I have a system, and the guy goes out, and then I hit to his voice, and, you know, it's pretty, well, how good are you? I mean, what's your handicap? Well, I'm a scratch golfer. You know, if you don't golf, that means he plays at even par. He's good is what that means. Scratch golfer is good. So Stevie Wonder is a good golfer. And Nicholas is stunned. And he says, We've got to play sometime. Well, Stevie says, That's, I, I would love that. Um, I'd love to play with Jack Nicholas. That would be fantastic. But Jack, I, I only play for money because nobody takes me seriously if they're not playing me for money. And it's pretty steep. And Jack Nicholas was like, well, just name it. You know, I would love. He said, Jack, it's $100,000 a hole. I mean, it's expensive to play golf with Stevie Wonder. Jack, whoa, man, he sits back and, Kind of, but I'd see a blind guy play scratch golf. That's worth it. I'll pay it. And he says, I will pay it. He's like, when can we play? And Stevie says, you know what? I'm free every night this week. Let's just go out. (laughs) A lot of times, we become blind. Our vision is not accurate. When we think about who Christ is, we miss it sometimes. Let's read together, and this is a little lengthy, so please stay with me. But we're going to read Acts 2, 22, all the way through 36. But listen to who Christ is. This is Peter speaking. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited to you by God, by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me because his hand, because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. 
You have made known to me the paths of life, and you will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah and said that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. This is who Jesus is. But sometimes our vision is not right. But that can be changed. I want to show you a video, real quickly, of a project that's been going on with Valspar, the paint company, as you know from Lowe's, and another company called Enchroma. And Chroma works specifically to help fix vision that is just not quite right. I didn't really know there was such a thing as colorblindness at the time. I think I was six or seven. I thought maybe I wasn't intelligent enough to tell because I didn't know. And I didn't tell my parents. So I just, I stopped painting and drawing. There's some drawings where I wish I could see how my kids put the colors together and what they were visualizing. It's not that I can't name them, there's, there's nothing there. That's gray, and that's gray, and that's gray. I had moments where girls would make fun of me for not knowing girly shades, and I felt self-conscious about it. Sometimes I feel like there is a world of color that I'm just sort of missing out on. Color blindness is a situation where because your eyes are different than someone else's eyes, you don't see the world the same way. Commonly, red and green don't look different but look the same. So if there is a kind of a color filter, kind of glasses that would separate colors, they suddenly can see red and green. There's nothing wrong with the wiring. The problem exists in the eye with the photopigments. So Valspar is working with us at Enchroma to bring color to everyone. We developed these glasses to enable colorblind people to see color for the first time in their lives. Wow. Oh, look at that. It was like this whole end of the, of the spectrum that I just was completely not aware of. I'm like getting misty. This is, 
This is amazing. I've never been able to see this one. And I just want to cry a little bit. <laughs> um, I never realized like how much I was affected by the fact that I can't see the world like the way that other people see the world. When he's drawing, I see him going in and out of his crayon box like 150 times sometimes. Oh wow, that's cool. And now I kind of know why. There's a lot more colors here. All these things that are intentional in life, I never caught on to it. In the end, the experience of color is so private that you don't really know how to explain that. So is that what you guys see every day? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just everything's flatter. Everything's, yeah, it kind of, yeah. I don't want to take them off. Um, it's just dull. It's a little dull, to be honest. I never really thought about my colorblindness that much. It's just something that I had that I dealt with and that wasn't really a big deal to me. But color is an amazing experience that I think people probably take for granted. Having our vision correct. Being able to see the right way. And being able to see Christ for who he is as Lord and Savior is foundational to our mission. Seeing Christ as Lord and Savior is foundational to our mission. It's why in our vision we start with exalting Christ. The process begins with exalting Christ. Seeing Jesus as Lord and a Savior because it's foundational to accomplishing our mission. Peter um, was just a fisherman, the man who spoke those words to the Israelites there on the day of Pentecost. He's just a fisherman. And he starts off his journey with Jesus simply because he wants one last shot at being a somebody rather than a nobody. But what he doesn't realize is the man that called him was not just an ordinary rabbi. This rabbi was Lord and Messiah. And after several years of following Jesus, his vision changes, his understanding of who Christ is changes, and he begins to see Christ for who he actually is, Lord and Savior. And when he sees that and he makes that proclamation that we read in Acts chapter 2, everything changes. Because when we see Christ for who he is, it changes everything. It changes everything. 
nothing is left. No stone is left unturned in our lives. Everything is changed. Jesus talked about this himself in Matthew chapter 6. Verse 19, he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye of the, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. And on the surface. This is a story, this is an illustration about serving God or serving our treasures. But deeper than that, this is about having our vision right. This is about knowing who God is, knowing that there are two kingdoms at work in this world. There is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light, and then there's the kingdom of the world, the kingdom of darkness. And these two kingdoms, the amazing thing about them is that we get to choose which one we will prioritize, which one we will serve. But we can't choose to serve both of them. If we choose God's kingdom, if we choose to fix our vision and we choose to change the way that we see Christ, we start to see the world in a completely different way. It changes the way that we see the world because we start to prioritize his kingdom and we start to live as Christ lived his life and then we see everything differently. But it starts with seeing Christ differently. We mentioned wanting to tell stories. So I asked a couple people, I said, tell me a story, tell me a scripture about Jesus that changed the way you saw him and your relationship with him. This is what, uh, this is what we saw. My scripture is from Luke 9, 23, and it says, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself daily and take up his cross. Um, and the, the scripture before that is where Peter has to confess who Christ is, and Christ is asking, Who do you say that I am? Is this one where he's going to a town uh, specifically in answer to a call by Mary about her brother Lazarus, a good friend of Jesus's. Lazarus wasn't doing so well. He was kind of sick. And all the disciples were telling him, come on, we got to go. We got to get there faster, sooner, so you can deal with this, so you can heal him. 
He ends up getting there, Mary's in tears, friends and Jews are all in tears because Lazarus has passed. And it's at that point that Jesus suddenly realizes how how emotionally distraught he is, you know, that, oh man, this is, this is his friend who's just died. And it, it kind of, at least when I was reading it, it seemed to hit him that this was actually a big deal. And back when I was in a, a freshman or sophomore in high school, uh, I went on wilderness, wilderness trek. And on the Sunday that you're there, you have a three hour quiet time that you have to go off and um, study the word and which, whatever way you want to. Um, after about two hours, you kind of run out of things to to do, and so I started thinking, well, what what does my birth date correspond with? And so it's 9:23, and so I looked at Luke 9:23. He tells the disciples, you know, we're doing it this way so that way you can believe, but at the same time, you get that kind of raw emotion of of Christ, and you realize, man, he's he's just as human as I am. Um, even though he knows the outcome, even though he knows he's going to bring Lazarus back and it's going to bring glory to God and he knows God's plan for him, it's still emotionally difficult for him. As I'm looking out at nature, um, you know, there's just a certain connection that you have with the Lord when you're looking out at his creation and um, that my relationship with Christ is about self-sacrifice and denial and it's not just this feel-good thing all the time, and it's going to be hard throughout life, um, but it's worth it. It's one of those stories that I look at, and I read, and I see, and I realize, yeah, God knows what I'm going through, because Jesus knew what I was going through. He understands the pain and the hurt that we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis, more so than you know I might have imagined earlier. When we see Christ for who he is, it changes everything, and it starts with you and with me. It starts right here as we begin to see ourselves in a different way. We begin to change our vision to have the same vision as Christ. We begin to exalt him as Lord and Savior, and when we see him as Lord and Savior, we begin to see ourselves the way he sees us, and he sees us as his handiwork. It's his creation, special to him, made for a special purpose. He also sees us as his kingdom builders. As we exalt Christ and we focus on our relationship with Christ and living life 24-7 in worship, it changes the way that we see Ourselves. It changes the way that we see others. That we see others as dearly loved by God. A humanity that he longs to reconcile and to call to himself. As that happens in our church, we exalt Christ. As we share the stories of God being reconciled to his people. To his children. And we begin to see our church body as the bride and body of Christ. So as we gather together for weekly worship, as we gather together in small groups, we begin exalting Christ and seeing our entire world differently. Because when we see Christ for who he is, everything changes. And because seeing Christ as Lord and Savior is foundational to our mission.
So my question is this that I'll leave you with. What is your story about our Lord and our Savior? Do you know him? Do you have one? Do you have a story that you've read or that you know about Jesus as Lord and Savior that has changed the way you've seen him? And how do you exalt Christ? How do you lift him up as Lord and Savior of your life and of everyone else's life? As a church, our vision is the process for our mission. And we begin with exalting Christ. If you have a need today, if you need to exalt Christ, if you've seen him as Lord and Savior in your life and you need to exalt him, we want to help you with that. We want to help you do that. If you need prayers, we have our staff and shepherds at the back of the auditorium here and we would love to pray with you to help you as we go down this road and through this process. Thank you. Thank you for being our church family. Thank you for exalting Christ with us. For helping me to see who he is as Lord and Savior. Will you stand up? And let's sing together. Turn your eyes upon